Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up. So we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, baseball was America's pastime, and college football was king. So how did the NFL get so popular? We explore the history behind the rise of America's most watched sport. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. Okay, people. We're already ready. We got the papers. We have the squeaky chair, NFL historians. You already know it. This isn't for you. It's for those who don't know as much. So we're here to do what? That's right, enlighten. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not too big. I'm always here to learn. It's the Behind the Mic podcast. Michael Neal Jr., your host, presented by Billy Up Sports. The Billy Up Sports podcast network, BillyUpSports.com, and check out all of the Belly Up Sports co- uh, podcast network shows, including this one, especially this one, on Spreaker, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, those major podcasting network platforms. References. Let's knock them out. The book, NFL 100, A Century of Pro Football. Also, America's Game, the NFL at 100, that co-written by Jerry Rice and Randy O. Williams. An ESPN.com article, How the NFL Took Over America in 100 Years. Anthony Gulizia and Jeremy Willis are the co-authors. ProFootballHallOfFame.com, SportsShow.net, and also How Stuff Works. We're going to answer these questions, the six W's. The five W's and the H. The who, the what, the when, the where, the why, the how. The NFL is the who. What? The NFL is the most popular sport in America. When did it become so popular? Where did these things take place? Why? And how did it its popularity grow? How did that happen? Well, anybody remember the movie A Christmas Story? I know I do, because I watch it a thousand times like the rest of America on Christmas Day. And 
there's the part where he's listening to radio in a lot of different spurts of the movie. You got Little Orphan Annie, the Oval Team commercials, the Black Pirate Ship. And the other thing you have to keep in mind is that as far as radio is concerned, sports were traditionally broadcast on the radio. Boxing, baseball, college football. So the question is, where does football fit in in that whole pantheon of sports broadcasting? The NFL in 1920s, it was in its infancy. In 1921, that's when they started broadcasting college football games. And everything was just getting started good. But where the NFL was in comparison to baseball and college football, we talked about this before, it was dwarfed by both. Baseball was America's sport, period, point blank. And other than that, college football had been around since forever, right? The NFL wasn't even born until 1920. A year later, radio started getting going. And nobody was really going to these football games in person, much less were they going to listen to them on the radio. So you have that, plus the Great Depression that was going on in the 1930s. Well, in 1936, when television finally came into view, <laughs> the world's first televised sporting event, it was the 1936 Summer Olympics in Berlin. In 1939, three years later, May 17th, 1939, to be exact, the first televised sporting event in the United States was a college baseball game, the Columbia Lions versus the Princeton Tigers. NBC broadcasted that at Bakersfield. August 26th of the same year, the first televised Major League Baseball game, a doubleheader between the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Cincinnati Reds at Ebbets Field. And then a month later, the first college football game was televised. Fordham University and Waynesboro College. Another month later, October 22nd, 1939, NBC broadcasted the first NFL game. And it was between, yes, the Brooklyn Dodgers. Keep this in mind, the NFL for popularities and trying to get, um, I was going to say popularity's sake, for getting, trying to get some attention. Some of their teams were named just like the, they were duplicates of baseball teams. They was trying to get some, some shine. They needed the light on them some kind of way. And some of their teams were doubly named. The Brooklyn Dodgers and the Philadelphia Eagles, that was the first television broadcast. And it was through uh, NBC Sports. And it was a 23 to 14 win for the Dodgers at where? Ebbets Field. And according to the Pro Football Hall of Fame website, there were 500 or so fortunate New Yorkers who owned television sets at that time. They witnessed the game in the comfort of their own homes. Over NBC's experimental station, W2XBS, many others saw the telecast on monitors while visiting the RCA Pavilion at the World's Fair in New York. Well, it was actually a scheduled special event. That's pretty great uh, for the NFL to have something like that. Because, they I mean, they're just getting started. They were only, they were, what, the first, within the first 20 years of their existence. So they needed to start somewhere when it came to getting that attention. 
it took only eight people to televise this game, the two hour, 30 minute and 10 second game with only two cameras and no commercials. And you also have to remember that this was actually an experimental era. Now today, it takes up to 200 people and as many as 20 cameras that are used for a single game. Just let that sink in. You go from two cameras to at least 20, 12 to 20 to be exact by the NFL.com standards of a regular season football game. And then you go from having only eight people to have to run the show to somewhere between 150 to 200 people. That's a lot. That is a lot and a very, very big difference. So the question is, how did we get here? Well, the answer, I believe, is in two championship games and a boatload of Hall of Famers. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. There once was a now defunct broadcasting network called the Dumont Network. They lasted from 1942 to 1956, and they paid a grand total of $75,000 for the rights to broadcast the 1951 NFL Championship game that featured a rematch between the Los Angeles Rams and the Cleveland Browns. Now, the year before, in 1950, that was the Cleveland Browns' first year in the league. Paul Brown, they came through running things. They won the championship 30-28 to against the Rams. Well, it didn't work out as well in 51 as the Rams won the game 24 to 17. It was a game that featured several Hall of Famers. You had guys like Otto Graham, Lou Groza, Marion Motley, Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch, Norm Van Brocklin, and Tom Fears. But the significance of this game is that it was the first one that was broadcast coast to coast. For the most part, it was all on the East Coast. It was all going to Manhattan in New York. And this time around, you actually had a game that was broadcast coast to coast. Well, fast forward seven years later, the game that any historian or any championship game of significance that is talked about, the 1958 NFL championship game between the Baltimore Colts and the New York Giants is the one that always comes up. This game, uh, and I think, first of all, you have to understand, by 1958, there were more televisions across the country, a whole lot more. And this one, an estimated 10.8 million people watched it. There were 60,000 fans that were in Yankee Stadium to watch their Giants play against the Colts. And this game also featured up to 17, well, no, featured 17 Hall of Famers. Want to hear them? Here they go. For the Colts, you had guys like Raymond Berry, Artie Donovan, Gino Marchetti, Coach Weeb Eubank, Lenny Moore, 
and Johnny Unitas, of course. For the Giants, they had guys like Frank Gifford and Sam Huff, assistant coaches like Tom Landry and Vince Lombardi. Elman Tunnel, the defensive back, the first Hall of Famer who was black to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. This game was decided in overtime for the first time ever. And people almost missed the game-winning play. For anyone who's not familiar with the 58 championship game. In overtime, the Giants won the, touring, the, the coin toss, excuse me, because they went in tied at 17. They had a three and out, but Baltimore, they marched 80 yards in 13 plays. But before you get to that, you have to understand that there were some fans that rushed onto the field and they kicked out a cable which basically knocked out the telecast. So you got black on your television. NBC fixed it. And then the first sudden death overtime game, you got back to the game winning play, which was Allen Amici's one yard touchdown run and a 23 to 17 win and a championship for the Baltimore Colts. Boom, pang, pow, we're out of there. One of the biggest games in NFL history. It was dubbed the greatest game ever played. It was actually blacked out in the NFL's biggest market in New York. The people are sitting there watching the game in New York and they couldn't watch it on television. That's that's crazy. The New York fans also the next day were unable to read about it because there was a newspaper strike as well. But still, the game put the NFL on the map with its popularity. Well, there was a key move though by a former Rams PR exec, well, PR man, and a general manager that basically changed it all. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Okay, it is to be noted that today the NFL's regular season accounts for the largest consistent annual nationwide viewership in any television event in U.S. television history. And that's according to this book that I've been reading. It has so much information. America, uh, America America's game. The NFL at 100. Very good book. What does that mean, though? That means that 70% of households are watching football. 80% total television viewers in U.S. And more than 60%, this is back in 2019, of the 2019 U.S. population, 328 million. Now, I'm aware uh, of the top 10 sports in America, even up to 2021, that you have the NFL and college football and they are basically at the top. The NFL is at the top as far as ratings and viewership. I'm also aware that everything has fluctuated. We've had the elections and we've had COVID and all of these, th these things have caused a ripple effect in our TV viewership. But you know what confuses me is the fact that, okay, if people are quarantining for a whole year, you would think that television ratings will go up and it's not just sports it's in everything it's affected everything 
Maybe they're playing and paying more attention to one another and doing other things other than watching TV. There's a lot of factors there, not going into all of that. But we're aware that between the NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, basketball, the NHL, and soccer, those are the top five sports. Those are the top sports in America. The NFL is at the top. But there were some moves going back to the early 50s, 1960, that had to be made in order for the NFL to basically remain viable. Keep this in mind. Where were they when college football was king and they were trying to break in with this using the exact same ball? Well, you know, not a lot of people were going to the games and then you had the first televised game and all of those things. Well, the other thing that you have to remember were that there were a lot of teams that were coming and dying. I think it was, what, over 70-plus teams have been in the NFL as far as history. At least by now, things were starting to level off in 1960. Well, people were coming to the games. Television was just getting started good. And as far as sports were concerned, and really football, because football hadn't got to that point of popularity, right? Well, Pete Rosell, who had been the Rams, the Los Angeles Rams, speaking of them, they, he was the PR man and then eventually elevated to general manager. In 1960, he was elected the commissioner of the NFL. Burt Bell had just passed away some, he was the previous commissioner. He had just passed away by a heart attack at a game, no less, and Roselle was elected in. He recognized basically how television could grow the NFL, how it could grow the league. He had to get the owners on the exact same page, though. And they were more worried about people coming to the games, spending money on the food, and of course, the gate. That's what they were worried about, the gate. Television, according to Roselle, was going to attract more people to your venues. I see this on TV. I want to go and actually experience it for myself. That was his mindset. And he turned out to be right, obviously. That would get him, uh, get those fans to your stadiums. And here's the other key. He said that television, and I quote from the book, they would provide, television could provide its own significant revenue stream by allowing the league to sell valuable broadcast rights and advertisements. Hmm. He also came up with a revenue sharing plan that helped the small markets like the Green Bay Packers, for instance, for them to remain viable. Going back again, you had so many teams in league history that died on the vine because they could not keep up financially. I mean, you look at a team in New York as opposed to the Green Bay Packers, that the Packers were not supposed to last that long, right? And they have and so have a lot of markets, small market teams, as well as the big market teams, the large market teams, because of finances. And it was all wrapped up in this revenue sharing plan. In 1960, the AFL came in, into play, right? And they started up their own league. Lamar Hunt, Bud Adams, they initially signed a five-year, $10.6 million deal with ABC. And then they signed a second one in 1964. Five years, $36 million with NBC. 
Well, Roselle negotiated the league's first television contract, and it was a two-year deal with CBS for the 1962 and 1963 seasons at $4.65 million per year, which basically equaled everybody was going to get $300,000 per team. Okay, I know that doesn't sound like a lot of money, but it's the 1960s. So you have to start somewhere. They got that money, which means you're not going to have to worry about anything financially going forward unless you're stupid. So fast forward to 1970, you had the AFL-NFL merger. And not to mention, in 1966, the very first Super Bowl, which was the AFL-NFL championship game. But of course, that is another story. We're just getting started, ladies and gentlemen. And just like they did on G.I. Joe and all those other Saturday morning cartoons that said to be continued, to be continued. All this means is you will have to tune in to the next show to get the next big piece to this puzzle we're putting together. Thanks for listening to Behind the Mic Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. Again, you can check this show out, Billy Up Sports, BillyUpSports.com. Billy of Sports Podcast Network. You catch it on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your children. You better listen to my show or I'll find your house. I'm out. <laughs>